I'm Garrett McCaffrey, and this is the Swim Swam podcast. With us today is the newly named associate head coach of the Auburn Tigers, Mr. Vlad Polyakov. Vlad, thank you so much for making the time today, and congratulations on the new gig. Thanks, Garrett. Thanks for the intro. I felt yeah, like I just walked uh, in in a big room. <laughs> probably right off the bat that some people might have in mind because a lot of us remember you uh, as the best breaststroker in the NC2A for a stretch uh, for Alabama um, and if I would have asked you back in that you know 2004-2007 range um, when you were competing uh, for Alabama that one day you would be the associate head coach at Auburn what do you think you would have said back then? Um, I probably think they were crazy <laughs> You know, uh, we, we were uh, trained, and if anybody knows the rivalry between Auburn and Alabama, uh, you know, it, they were always, it was always personal. You know, it was beyond that. But, you know, looking back at it, at it, I have to say that, you know, while competing against Auburn, I think that's what made me better as an athlete uh, at the time. I always looked up. If, if you remember, you know, those years when I first showed up as a freshman at Alabama, Auburn had a legion of breaststrokers, you know, and, and I kind of set that my goal to, you know, if there's anything I could do best for my team is I have to, I have to win my events. You know, I have to be better. And when you talk about guys like, you know, Mark Gangloff and, you know, graduated at the time, uh, Dave Denniston and, uh, you know, at the time was Justin Karen, um, Will Brandt. I mean, those guys were beasts, uh, you know, competing. Pat Calhoun, you know, the guy I had to modify my pullouts for, um, you know, those guys were beasts and I knew I had to step up and, you know, compete on that level with them so there was a lot of respect uh on top of yeah you could call it hatred so when i look at it from that perspective um you know if somebody was asked me was was to ask me a quick question about ever being a coach at auburn um you know as a youngster at the time i would say no but if i put a little bit more thought and experience into it now and thinking about the names of coaches and the athletes and the kind of tradition that auburn was i think it would have changed quickly i was always pretty rational guy. So if you set me down and kind of give me that perspective, I think it'll change quickly. So let's, let's talk about how things have changed. Obviously you went on and had, you know, great success there for Alabama and then internationally, um, you know, all the way through 2012. And then you've been coaching and on the deck competing um, for a program that has passed Alabama uh, and sorry, at Auburn, um, you know, with all the success that, you and Arthur and everybody at Louisville have had, uh, it, you know, like that, that had to be a good seat for, you know, what makes good college programs, um, for what the college scene has done over the last few years. How, how's the impression that, you know, probably never going to happen and now evolved into a place where you can recognize that this is the best thing for you professionally in your career and for your family too, personally. Um, well, First of all, I'll start with Arthur, right? So Arthur, if uh, some people still don't know the story, Arthur was my first college coach. He recruited me to Alabama. Uh, he kind of showed me the path. And, you know, I'd, I always had great coaches. Michael Loberg was my club coach. And um, he was kind of my 
eye-opener to uh, high-level swimming at the time. And then Arthur really kind of bridged that gap. It was really with Arthur my freshman year, you know, finishing second in CAs to Brendan Hansen, just really kind of shocked my world. And, and really that's the mentality we've always had with Arthur, you know, um, shock the world. Uh, it, was, it was bringing in the guys that, you know, were humble and hungry and ready to go to work and just prove everybody wrong. You know, and uh, of course, it's not as it, it sounds exciting, but it's not as simple as it looks. And it takes a lot of years of, um, you know, building that culture. And it took us, you know, uh, it, was, it was funny when Arthur brought me to Louisville after, you know, he coached me my first year at Alabama. Then it was a long stretch, obviously, um, nine years until I reunited with him at Louisville. And he brought me back and he said, hey, we have some unfinished business. And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, hey, um, we, you know. At Alabama, we wanted to be top 10, and we finished 12th. And I remember we, we got our main relay disqualified that qualified for the final. And that would have easily put us in top, top, top 10 at, then, uh, at the time. But he's like, hey, we just finished top 10 here at Louisville. That was 2012. Help, help us be top five. You know? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, I got so excited. You know, and I came to Louisville. I didn't realize not one bit how hard that task was going to be and what it was going to entail. And uh, you know, it took us a whole generation of athletes right it took us four years uh, of a group to go through until we can build that culture and then establish that into the next group on the men's side we certainly will were able to do it with the women and the culture was there um you know but also going pretty quickly from the 22nd when we got there to um in three years to jumping to six and then maintaining that um was pretty fun so when when this opportunity presented itself i thought wow you know the years early on uh, watching Auburn, watching that undefeated team, you know, they had undefeated uh, dual meet record. They had undefeated, uh, they, they went for a stretch of titles, you know, Dave Marsh, legendary coach. Um, so just kind of thinking about that and saying, hey, what if, you know, I, I love that process of rebuilding the program. We're building the program at Louisville. And I was thinking, what if we can do that at Auburn? That would be really cool, you know. And um, so when, when Ryan called me and kind of shared his vision, I thought, you know, why not? It was kind of the same mentality. Uh, and of course, uh, the main challenge was um, thinking of, but wait a minute, you know, what about Louisville here? And, and that was, that was, that kept me awake at night for, for a whole week, you know, while making that decision. So. Yeah, that had, that had to be pretty tough with all that, you know, you've helped contribute to and the success and now knowing how hard it is. And I think that's what, it looks like from the outside has changed. The college swimming scene has changed where it looked like, you know, at first stretch it was Auburn and Texas and then, you know, Cal and Texas and, you know, the women's programs, you know, going Georgia, Stanford, Cal, and it's, it's those consistent top five. Then you have, you know, the other rotating, you know, maybe, maybe a four teams could fill in the top five, but those four teams were pretty well set. And now with teams, like Louisville, a combined program, like NC State really helped shake things up, um, you know, and, and kind of was an out of, um, a, 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 not a mid-major, but at least not necessarily one of the perennial top 10 teams. How has college swimming changed so that maybe it's a little bit more accessible for more teams? And how do you take advantage of that at Auburn? Well, um, I think our world in terms of communication and the availability of information has changed as a whole. There's certainly a lot more information easily available that could be good and bad. Um, you know, so how the coaches 
transfer that information to the athletes is very important. Um, team culture is essential. Uh, but I think also I, I look at it from, you know, if you think of the best, you know, most paid sports in, uh, in NCAA, like college football, you also see some of the teams that have kind of broke the ranks. And I think the resources are there for all schools. Uh, they're available. So it's really come down, comes down to, and, and honestly, there's a lot of talent out there now because of that information, because of the, um, the resources. And it's how you really communicate that and how you rally the troops, so to speak. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you believe and get everybody together uh, around the same goal? I think that's what it was about for us at Louisville. Um, and like I said, there was some common goals and crazy challenges that we set. Um, but I think that's how those programs are able to arise. It, it's great leadership, certainly. Uh, I mean, uh, what Arthur's done at Louisville is unprecedented. You know, there was no there's no culture like that at Louisville. So, and it's here, this is what we did this year to winning the first conference title, being top five for the second year in a row at Louisville has been, you know, this is going to go down in history books forever. And that's going to be hard to beat for the next generations. Right. So, um, and I think, I think that's what it is really. It's just, it's great leadership. Uh, it's about uh, people understanding what needs to be done. Um, and, you know, just general competition level keeps rising. I, I, I think, you know, I, it's no surprise to me, but but it is true that those schools that have been there for a long time, they will circle back, and, and that's going to be challenges for, for the schools that are challenging them right now. Is if, I want to get into that piece of the culture a little bit more and what makes a great coach and a great culture, um, but I kind of want to talk a little bit more about you as a swimmer before we get into that, um, and I I got to assume that those Alabama teams probably didn't have the same culture as Louisville, didn't have that same group mentality, and you kind of had to do it on your own. What made you great as a swimmer? Well, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bash anybody. I don't want to bash anybody on Alabama team. We had, a, we had obviously great individuals and we had, um, I, I had a group, good group of guys. Unfortunately, there was only about, only about four or five of them that kind of understood that level of performance that we needed to reach that could challenge themselves to, to be there. Um, you know, uh, unlike, you know, Auburn at the time where I feel like every athlete knew exactly what they needed to do and what they were up against. Um, so, and I, it was always a goal of ours, you know, every year to have a competitive relay, at least one, and it was medley relay. That's the best we can puzzle together. And, and honestly, the guys stepped up and, and, you know, we contended as much as we could. Um, we even beat Auburn one time on the medley relay, you know, my senior year, that was, that was a highlight. <laughs> it was big time. But, but really, yes, it was about, I think when Arthur recruited me to Alabama and Don Wagner at the time as a coach, you know, we had a clear goal and clear vision. We wanted to be top 10. Even in the recruiting, that was the conversation. Uh, so coming in, you know, I knew who I was up against. I was always very competitive. So my number one, number one goal was to beat all the guys on the team. You know, anybody who I could beat on breaststroke, you know, I had to do that. That was the first goal and the second. And just, just being very competitive and, and, and not being afraid to challenge those guys, but also very respectful, realizing that, hey, you know, I, I love to compete. I love to win. But uh, at the same time, hey, be the first one to shake their hand and appreciate the fact that they got you better. Uh, you know, as a teammate. So that was the thing that, I mean, at the time you maybe remember Apostolos Sagarakis was our sprinter from Greece. So we had the, we had the finisher, we had the breaststroke. We always kind of, uh, you know, look for a butterfly and a backstroker, but again, the guys found the way and we, we try to stay competitive. Um, but that was certainly not the culture that we're able to build here in Louisville. And again, it took time. Uh, it took time and everybody understand that for everybody to understand that, to understand that everybody plays a key role, even the bottom guy, 
his job was to make sure that the next guy is on his toes, that he's, uh, that he's always trying to be better. So that's kind of the, you know, the mentality. So as a swimmer, um, I think it's important to be competitive. It's important to really look for the, every possible way to be the best that you can be. You know, um, I always appreciated that. And to me, if anybody knows my story, you know, I wasn't always the best guy. I just kind of always tried to fight my way through. And thankfully in college, it came to fruition, uh, you know, almost unexpected, honestly. And I think Arthur played a key role in that as well. Did you learn to fight harder or fight smarter? Um, I learned to fight smarter in club when I first arrived at, uh, I, I arrived from Kazakhstan at the time and um, Michael is the one, uh, I don't know if anybody knows Michael Loberg, but he was one of the first guys that created the lactate testing for swimmers. Uh, you know, you'd pull it from the ear with a little tube. And so he would, uh, I, sh you know, I showed up and we did our first lactate test, basically two 400s that you swim. And I would do them both. Well, first one's freestyle, second one's breaststroke. And your job is to go as fast as you can, as easy as you can. So produce minimum possible lactate at the fastest possible time in the 400. So for those sprint sprinters would hate it, obviously, that would just do whatever. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, my first one, I go and I just beat everybody in the 400. It was awesome. I get out. I'm so proud. I'm like, hey, look, I beat her. I'm 15 years old. I get out. And, you know, uh, Michael draws my blood and it's like 8.9 lactate. And I look at him, he's like, that's good, right? And he's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know? And, and it was, it was, he was a German guy, pretty straightforward with a smile on his face. And the last thing I wanted to be is an idiot in front of, you know, Michael's eyes. So I made sure that I understood what I was doing next time. And that helped me figure out what really I needed to do. So that was probably two years leading up to college. So, and Michael was always there, kind of a guiding force in terms of like, hey, things are going to get exciting in college. You're going to get competitive. You're going to do, but, but know when to do it and when to train. Training is training. Competing is competing. And I, I learned that pretty quickly. And I took it with me. And of course, there's still times when I just couldn't, I just had to go, you know, and I think everybody does, every competitor feels that. But I think most of the time, as long as I dedicated training uh, to my training in the proper way, uh, things worked out. All right. So this, this next one is a transition question because your mm -hmm. swimming career kind of arched right through the suit era. And mm -hmm. I think that just is a change in our sport. I think it will be a benchmark for our sport in a lot of ways. So how did swimming change? in that stretch. And I have to believe that helps impact your, your coaching philosophy too. Yeah. You know, as an athlete, it rocked my world. Um, I wasn't ready for it. I was always, you know, I was always a technician in my swimming. I believed in, like you said, smart training from that point on from early high school days. Um, and I worked on my technique on efficiency and swimming on all of the above. And I felt like when the swimsuits came around, it became so competitive so quick. It, it brought the depth up so fast and it created a lot of, um, it brought a lot of confidence to the athletes that were kind of below so quickly. And as an athlete, I just wasn't ready for it. Um, you know, I remember the first meet we showed up and everybody suited up. It was in Missouri, actually, in, uh, in February of 2008. Everybody put on the Speedo laser. I was there, uh, Vlad. I was there. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And and I just got rocked. Um, you know, I didn't improve. My my improvement was minimal. I wasn't shaved, but I was like everybody just went two twelve, and two twelve was like monumental. Like it, it wasn't. You couldn't just get up and go two twelve. And I was like, wow, what's happening? You know, did these did these guys really get that fast? And how do I get there? You know, if I'm not quite there yet. Um, so I started thinking a lot. And then you know, in two thousand eight, going to Beijing and 
the goal at Beijing for me personally, since I was, you know, fifth and 04, I wanted to get a medal. That was a dream of mine, you know, certainly for my country, that would have been a great achievement. Um, but that didn't happen. And, you know, I ended up being, being eliminated in the semifinal, but more importantly, the results just were outrageously fast. And I just still couldn't put my mind to it. I couldn't evolve fast enough to the suit to understand what was happening. Um, in 09, obviously the rubber suits came out and that elevated the results to a whole nother level. And I was sort of on, on par with that. I started figuring out that thing. I remember the comment from one of the European swimmers was, Hey, the suit is like a Ferrari. You just need to know how to drive it. So I started figuring out how to drive the, the Ferrari, but I took, uh, I, I took it back on training. You know, I started training less and, uh, that paid a toll eventually down the stretch. So with all that dabbling and obviously getting older and the competition was kept getting tougher and steeper and, um, that just eventually I realized I'm not, uh, I didn't have the resources to compete, um, you know, both financially and in a way. So I kind of switched to age group coaching at the time and then slowly, uh, you know, actually by a complete surprise after 2012, um, Arthur offered me that uh, opportunity at Louisville, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. Well, I mean, now I don't want to fast forward and I, as deep as you want to get into it, what makes you a great coach? And, and I, don't want you to have to assume I'm going to give you that title as a great coach, but I think it's pretty well stated as you are now the associate head coach of Auburn. That's, you know, you've reached a level of greatness as a coach. Help us understand what makes you great at this. Well, thank you. And I certainly appreciate it. I'm far from great. I have just, I've been, I've been around great ones and athletes and, and coaches as well. So um, I'm a, I like to think of myself as, a good learner. I, that's something I always valued is just be able to, like I said, the, that lesson of slow evolution during the suit era, actually it hurt me more because I wasn't able to adapt because I always prided myself in the fact that I could get information and I was not only able to retain it, but then kind of dissolve it and spread it to everybody else to help them understand what's going on. So I think as a coach, I value that. I value the ability to connect with the athletes and spend time with them and to see what um, what are their goals? What are they trying to do? And then eventually help them get there, be a part of that journey with them and really facilitate that task. Cause I think that's what a lot of great coaches have done for me. They, they just made that easier. They, they made that information easily available uh, for me so I can digest it and put it together to work. Sometimes the, you know, good coach will give you a kick in the butt when you get, uh, you know, um, complacent. So, uh, those are the things that um, I value. And, and again, I think it's important to be able to connect with your athletes and really listen to them. Um, and then if, if they, if you truly do, um, and hopefully their goals are a match with you, because, because when, for us, it's always about, you know, great expectations. We'll always look for, you know, we're not trying to be, we're not trying to, uh, certainly at Louisville, we're not trying to just, you know, shock the world instantly. It was, we always understood that that was a process. So it was always about partnering with our athletes and, and just kind of helping them along their path. Um, and the faster we can help them get there, the sooner, you know, they will adapt and they'll, they'll get more and more excited. And that's at some point it just becomes self-revolving. They just keep, then, then hopefully you don't like as a, as a coach, you don't like behind and you just there, you know, to help them along the way. Can you dive a little bit deeper into that, listening to your athletes and give me an example over the past year? Cause at Louisville, you guys had a terrific year. Uh, and then side two, can you give me just one example of a way that you listen to an athlete and you learn something as a coach? Well, yeah. Um, you know, and I think this is something we've done 
also great at Louisville. It's always been an individual approach and we never try to put athletes in the box. And I think that's where Ryan and I are very similar in our mentalities, how we, how we're going to take this approach. It's always about, it's, it was always about team coaching. We didn't want, uh, you know, an athlete certainly to get also boxed in completely with just one coach, the, the ideas and how they flow, um, they should be fluid. You know, everybody should be on the same page, but at the same time, it's important for athletes to hear other coaches speak. So that was kind of an important thing, but certainly if you look at last year's progression, uh, that we've had, um, on the men and, and then the very young women's class that, you know, obviously had a lot of challenges through COVID. I think we have improved drastically, uh, and a lot of it had to do with adapting um, the training philosophy, certainly for sprint and for people understanding their roles. So there was a group of guys that, that trained and, and didn't really respond to, um, you know, heavy aerobic zone training. So they needed to recline on that. And really it was just, it was a lot of individual meetings and um, a lot of individual um, kind of understanding of each person, where they're at and and finding that kind of, common ground together and helping them uh, achieve that. Uh, if you look at some of these guys that improved, I mean, I'll throw some names like uh, Michael Eastman, Tanner Cummings, the guys from Bowling Green, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, being on NCA, you know, All-American Relay. That was just absurd. Guys splitting 41-9, 42 flat, 19-4 flat start. These guys were 21s out of high school. You know, <laughs> it's, it's absurd. And, and I think a lot of it was, yes, they're super competitive and they've learned how to be performing at that high level, but also, I think it was about partnering with them. Um, certainly on the, on the women's side too, you know, Kaylee Wheeler, um, she's a breaststroker and I w- worked obviously uh, hands-on with breaststrokers at Louisville. Um, and, you know, we try to work with her through a traditional kind of style. We did, you know, there's some longer breaststroke sets, but she didn't seem to respond to those at all. So we kind of flipped the switch and went kind of full sprint for her with almost like a tendency to like 50 freestyle sprint and, and a lot of strength work and, and she just, you know, exploded on that. Uh, but then, you know, the, there's the other athletes that need completely the opposite. You know, um, Kelsey was kind of that example when she was put in sprint early on, uh, it, it backfired, you know, so we had to go the other way and she needed some supplemental aerobic work. Um, so it was always about kind of that approach. But I think this time during COVID, we had a lot more time to sit down and certainly have these Zoom meetings or whatever, you know, that they took for to listen to our athletes. And uh, it, it was a, it was a difficult time, not only from, you know, coaching standpoint, but really psychological standpoint, I think, for all of us. So um, really spending time and in, in, in listening to them was very important. Yeah. I guess the, the next question, um, yeah, that I have is it, it's going back to Louisville as well. And it, you've already touched on Arthur and you know, how big a part of your path he has been. Um, if you had to kind of narrow it down and simplify it, and I know that that's really tough to do with such a, you know, dynamic person and, you know, huge impactful figure, but what makes Arthur so great? Arthur does not set limits for anyone. He's the kind of guys like you walk in his office and somebody crazy, you know, will say like, Hey, um, art, you know, and, and this would be an athlete that's just kind of starting or, or just got into the programs like uh, coach, I, I want to win in CAs. And I would be like, okay, you know, how are we going to get there? Let's, let's, let's sit down and see how that's possible, you know? And, and you just feel like, wow, <laughs> really? You know, I thought it was impossible, but you were telling, I was just kind of throwing it out there. And um, I think he's like that with people. Um, with anyone and, and he's there, uh, he's there, he will go to fight for you. He's, he will go to battle for you, uh, for your athletes, for your coaches, 
um, that's what makes him great. Um, he's just, he's just all in. And he's also, you know, he's, if I should say that he's also a no BS kind of guy, you know, so he could say it like it is and you respect that, you know, you just kind of say, if Arthur says it, you know, must be true <laughs> kind of thing. And you always listen to him. And, and honestly, Arthur's like a family to me after so many years. Um, you know, I could, I could talk about, about him all day. Um, clearly, uh, you know, one of the greatest coaches of our time. Um, and, and what's makes him really amazing. I think he's super humble. Um, he will never brag about himself, but that was always the hardest thing in recruiting. You know, I had to sit there and talk about him. Like, I'm like, this is cause he wouldn't say a word. He just kind of like, you know, and if he, if he says it, it would be because we made him and it would come out awkward. <laughs> so you just, he would just ignore it. But, um, no, certainly I'm, what, what I learned from him throughout these years is going to live with me, I think more than just, uh, as a coach, but as a person, um, is just incredible person, husband um dad you know three three of their kids obviously as you may know have been tremendously successful you know both gabby nick is still finished off his career gabby's got probably four more years of eligibility stefan went and uh was part of the program and um you know and he was not kind of the he didn't have the swimmer beginnings like gabby and nick did but still had left a pretty tremendous impact was very respected team member uh, for us graduated with business degree does really well in life right now so um it's to be successful on every level like that. That's a, you know, I, I guess I should say Arthur leads by example, right? <laughs> that's a, That's the only thing you could ask from a coach. Well, as a dad now, how did you see that affect him coaching the kids like that? Like, how is it different? How was that challenge uh, affecting him? Even if he wasn't letting the kids athletes or his, biological children um see it how, how do you think it, he was balancing that what has to uh, be i mean you can only imagine was, kids how hard that would be how, it was how did that affect hard. oh it was it was so hard for him you know this is the first year this year when nick won 200 fly uh that i saw some real emotion out of him like and and, and i said you know what i i actually talked to him and said art you need to show it like, this is the time, you know, it was, it was that, um, you know, started, I think maybe at conference, but at NCAAs and like, you need to show emotion because you would see him. If you go and rewind every time that Nick won the two fly at conference, you know, in some tremendous fashion, like, I mean, he, he beat Andreas Vazios, you know, like he, he just did some, these crazy things. And Arthur would just stand there like, while, while when everybody else wins, he just goes ballistic, you know, Arthur, he'll jump. I mean, we probably had the best staff in the, you know, in terms of the vertical jump, because we, we just had that elevation. I'm bringing that to Auburn too, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> but, but that was the thing, um, you know, to really show his emotion. And I thought, I thought that was a special moment. It's going to be special for Nick. It's going to be, and it's finally special for Arthur, but it's not over yet. And Arthur knows it. I just felt like this, that emotion. We all felt like, Arthur needed to show that at this time because it was especially for hard last year was and, and Nick didn't have the opportunity to do it um, and to transfer to that. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. So I, I know it was hard for him and it's going to be hard with Gabby. And it's so, you know, the coaches are going to have to do a good job. And I think they are uh, obviously Steph and, and Lindy and, and Cam are going to do a phenomenal job with all the athletes. And, you know, and, and I think that's what we've done great at Louisville is um, really make sure that we cover each other as a staff. Um, I think Ryan works in a similar way, just making sure that we all doing work. And I think that's what a great team has to be. I think this is where we as a coaching staff lead by example. When, when your teammate, you know, is struggling, you fill in, you, you come in and you help. 
Um, you know, nobody just sits there and kind of waits things out. We all play a big role. How much does it help that you can, you know, that your new boss, Ryan, is kind of part of the same tree in some ways under Arthur um, and understands that greatness and how, you know, how to kind of carry forward with some of those same values. How helpful is that for the two of you? Um, I think it's awesome. That was part of the reason that uh, kind of facilitated the decision for me, just knowing Ryan. Um, I know Ryan's got a chip on his shoulder too. He wants to prove himself uh, at Auburn. And, um, and when I, I, like, I like that kind of mentality, uh, you know, just coming in and saying, hey, um, we can do this. Um, and, you know, Ryan came in from even, uh, he, obviously Ryan helped Louisville men's program be top 10 for the first time. That was the, that's what, that was his contribution. And he was part of the top six program in the women as well. That was, that's when he left to Houston and then uh, to be what six time conference champions that they were. Um, so Ryan certainly understands the culture, um, uh, you know, and what it takes to, to, to build or rebuild the program. Um, and I, and I appreciate that. And I think, you know, we're all, obviously we're on the phone all the time already. My official day was Monday, so two days ago, or yesterday. <laughs> so we're kind of on the phone all the time. He's probably texting me right now. Um, but that's kind of just understanding that we all work, work together as a unit. Um, we're working on our final member of the staff right now. So that's, you know, taking the toll, also connecting with all the kids currently on the team. That's uh, very important. I had a lot of them reach out to me, which is really exciting for me to kind of jump into that process, but really just think, you know, certainly working with Ryan's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So the chip on the shoulder, what else, what else gets you excited and what gives you hope that, you know, Ryan can bring that success that you're hoping to build at Auburn um, as the leader of the program. Well, I think the most evident fact is that Ryan was part of that culture. He was part of those guys. He swam with Cesar Ciel. He swam with Fred Busquet. He, he was coached by David Marsh and David, David Durden. He understands what it takes, you know, from that standpoint, the competitiveness it takes, right? Um, I think, um, you know, just kind of having that uh, knowing that experience. And, you know, for us, even at Louisville here, winning that first conference title, I think all the guys are like, whoa, that was an amazing feeling. How do we do it again? And I think Ryan has that. And I feel it from day one, you know, from our first conversation with him to, to even now. Now his, you know, first it was excitement. I was like, hey, let's, go, let's get to work. But it never comes off as like, hey, you know, everybody, let's work. It's always like, hey, I'm doing it. Let's go. Uh, let's do it together. And I think that's a lot of fun. I, I think that culture, the fact that he was part of that definitely helps a lot. And um, he will certainly transfer that through his energy you know, to all of us and the athletes as well. So we started in the time machine at the very beginning, going back to 2006. Let's go fast forward to 2027 or 2028. And uh, Auburn has just won a national championship. How did it happen? Whew. Well, I think it starts with, um, I think it starts with the team culture. I think it starts with, um, making sure that the current athletes understand what we're trying to do and really finding the athletes that are like-minded, um, bringing in recruiting the individuals that are, that are brave, um, that are willing to go to work, um, you know, and they're just excited to be Auburn, you know, uh, excited to, um, you know, to, to really do this right. Uh, but meanwhile, just really have a lot of fun doing it. I think that's very important. That's, that gets lost in the, the, the grind and the hard work. It's like, how do we just really enjoy and help each other just do something crazy again, you know? And I think once that kind of 
escalates and, and it starts building and feeding off each other. I do think there's already a lot of uh, talent at Auburn. Um, it's just going to, I think it's going to take a lot of that, uh, you know, from us as a coaching staff to just help them understand that they can, that, that it is very much possible, uh, but it, it will take some work and it will take a lot of fun doing it too. Uh, you know, I, I had this funny quote when I was um, coaching age group. I said, um, I told to the kids, it's like, I, you know, I don't know how it came up. One of the little kids made a comment and I was like, hey, I don't know what fun it is for you, but uh, for me, it's winning. And I was totally kidding at the time, but it kind of sounds hilarious. And winning is fun, you know, and I think how we get there, certainly it's not going to happen overnight, but I like the idea of six years, you know, uh, it's bold. <laughs> six years is bold, but it's possible, you know, um, certainly with the culture that Auburn has. Uh, and of course, you know, the alumni, what, what a tremendous network now and what a culture. I mean, Rowdy Gaines, you know, think about that. Like those, this kind of people that came in out of Auburn, um, you know, Fred Busquets, Cesar Cielo, Coach Marsh, you know, Kirsty Coventry, Margaret Holzer, like, wow. Um, you know, that, that's exciting. And um, I think with the help of that, and I love how um, uh, Ryan said it, you know, sitting on the shoulders of the Giants, right? Um, and just knowing that, hey, uh, it's there. It's there for us to lean on. But now we have to restructure, readapt, and compete. I think compete is important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I interviewed Ryan about this, he said that he felt like he had a really good number two in place that he couldn't wait to, uh, to announce. And I think he does, Vlad. I really do. I think that you have the right experience. I have really enjoyed just, you know, even these 40 minutes of being able to chat. And I can tell that you have good, authentic you know, backing with all of the things that you're trying to push for with that competitive drive that obviously helps you in the pool and now on deck. But uh, as a fellow coach, I got to end with one more question because obviously, like I just said, I'm all on board. I think Ryan has the right piece for Auburn in place. And I think that's going to be helpful for the success over the next five to six years. Um, as a family man, and then we talked before we started recording, we've got two boys around the same age. Uh, I'm going to ask you a real tough question. What does success in five to six years for your family look like? Great question. Um, you know, uh, this move uh, was also as much of a family move uh, for us, for me and Mariah, um, as anything else that comes obviously with Auburn. And from what we know, Auburn is a tremendous uh, family environment. It's a small town. My wife grew up in a small town, Big Pine Key, Florida. You know, um, you know, it's small town, not on football, not on football days, obviously, but most of the time it's a small town. And, and we kind of like that. You know, I, I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that my kids, um, Liam and Max, can can really, you know, kind of hone in on that setting, um, grow, uh, grow in that culture. You know, it happens to be Auburn now <laughs> and um, really just kind of. Um, learn in that environment, learn, hopefully learn from me too. Cause if I'm, you know, if I'm doing this right, if I'm leading the way, um, you know, hopefully our family is stronger. Mariah is right now as a real estate agent, you know, she's hoping to transfer that to, to Auburn as well. Um, you know, she always had a passion for swimming as well. She, you know, she taught, um, she taught swimming and, uh, hopefully she can kind of play with that and continue with that as well. Um, but really just, you know, uh, like as any family, I think there's no, there's no complete formula uh, of what it's going to look like in six. I'm just hoping my kids are great men one day, right? So this is just, you know, six, seven years. Uh, that could be just a 
fundamental block, right, in their development. Um, but what I hope to do is that they're part of a great culture surrounded by great people. Um, you know, that's really my hope. And I know we had that at Louisville, and that's why Louisville is going to be really hard to leave. Um, certainly, this is their home. It's always going to say in their, you know, passport, birth certificate, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, you know, for those boys. So they're going to know where their home is. But um, I know that changing an environment uh, for them is also a very beneficial thing. I've moved all around all my life. I think changes are good, um, you know, and it's, uh, it just helps you grow. It helps you learn as well. At this stage, I don't know how much it's going to affect it, but the fact that they're going to know they did, they did move when they were young, it's going to be really cool. And, and I'm excited for Mariah too. I think she's, um, you know, she could be very successful in an Auburn setting. I think, uh, you know, she's starting to, finally the kids are a little bit older and she can get out from that setting. That's pretty much all she did. You know, she's been a tremendous mom and covering me really to make this all possible. She, she's been my, she's been my rock. You know, she's, she made it, this, this all happen uh, for me to be able to be away and, and be with my second family, so to speak, um, and understand that. Uh, and now I think it, it's going to be, almost probably a little bit better because she can get away and she can maybe even be a part of what we're building at Auburn. That's awesome. Good stuff. Well, I wish you the best of luck, you know, finishing out this summer season and then uh, on to this next adventure in the big change. Vlad, I think they've got a great coach uh, there at Auburn, so they should be lucky. And I hope you feel that that appreciation there because they are lucky to have you and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thanks for your Thanks time. Thanks so much, Greg. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much, man. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.